when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they don't talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome into the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined today by my cousin Joe out in Hawaii. What you up to, Halo Joe? <laughs> What's up, buddy? How are you today? Hey, you doing good? Because uh, we got the NFL draft coming up, so hell, that'll be something for us to at least watch on sports. And what do you know? We got a little SEC football news. You ready to get to it? Right there. Well, let's start here up in uh, old Baton Rouge because Coach O had a teleconference here on Tuesday. And, you know, he had a lot of lot to spiel about here for about 25 minutes. But I pulled out the, I thought, the best quote of the entire thing. He talked about their addition of Jabril Cox, the graduate transfer from North Dakota State. But, hell, Coach O had uh, quite a comment here. Let's jump over to what Coach O had to say about Cox. We haven't asked you about Jabril Cox yet, but I guess just what kind of quick impact do you think he can make and how do you think you guys might use him this season? Yeah, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad you talked about it. He signed so we can finally talk to him. We feel that he's going to be an immediate impact player. And uh, we've done a good job with graduate transfers here. And uh, we are glad that we, we got him. We feel that we talked to some NFL people. and we They felt that he was going to be a number one draft choice if he went out. And uh, obviously, we lost some linebackers. We got some good young linebackers coming back. But this guy's going to should be immediate impact player for us. Coach, before we let you go, have you done any uh, – what else have you done in your spare time? Have you watched any television, any Netflix? What are you doing that you, that you normally didn't do? Watching too much television. Oh, I, hey, <laughs> I'm, I, I, hey, I'm done with the television. I'm, I'm ready to go to work. <laughs> no, I've watched the replays. Uh, I, you know, I enjoy Peyton places, man. I watch that. I think he's he's very informative. Uh, I watch as much sports as I can. I'm, I'm I'm done flicking through the channels, man. I'm ready to go to work. So what do you know, Coach O's a fan of Cox. <laughs> go Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> no, he sounds pretty hyped on him. Uh, I guess everybody is. I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, uh, FCS or Missouri Valley, wherever he was at, Freshman of the year, player of the year, three-time All-American at the FCS level. Now, Coach O's saying possibly a first-round pick had he come out. I mean, my God, I knew this was a nice addition, but I didn't. I had no idea it was that big. And 
this is kind of why I'm we're still high on LSU because while they lose a lot, they got a ton of talent still in the building and hell, the majority of the coaching staff and everyone involved in the national championship is back. So for people thinking LSU is just going to take a huge step back, um, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Coach O's got his program here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. I like the little comment about I'm ready to go work. You know what I mean? He <laughs> start flipping through them channels. And it was like, yeah, I think we're all like that. We're ready for him to go back to work too. Absolutely. All right, so next thing on the docket here quickly, Missouri has announced uh, a graduate transfer. They got a Rutgers offensive lineman by the name of Mike Maiki. I'm sure I butchered the hell out of his name, but hell, this guy started for three years on Rutgers offensive line, so just wanted to make that note. Looks like Missouri's getting potential starter on the offensive line right there. And then the only other thing I got, Mississippi State quarterback Keaton Thompson has entered the NCAA transfer portal. I don't think that's uh, totally unexpected given the fact that they, you know, we know they added Costello, they added uh, quarterback Alan Walters from Vanderbilt, and they signed a kid out of high school, and hell, Thompson didn't really even play last year anyway, so it just seemed like the deck was stacked against Thompson for the last couple of years. Now he's going to be a graduate transfer, but just wanted to make that note around the SEC. And then oh, one other thing that I did want to get your comments on here quickly, NCAA has approved a couple new rules for the 2020 college football season, so I just wanted to mention those briefly. So They've not changed the targeting rule. It's the same deal. You know, if you get busted for targeting, 15-yard penalty, and you're out for the game. But they have made the rule change where I always thought it was really stupid when you get called for targeting and you had to, like, walk back to the locker room. They're going to let those kids stay on the sideline now. So I like that rule. I mean, why in the hell did they ever have people walk into the, you know, the locker room? I have no idea. Thoughts on that one? Uh, I like that, but I still think if it's a flagrant targeting, they should be ejected out of the stadium mm-hmm. because that's, I think, the initial intent. Someone that goes just gross head-to-head, gets someone who's in a really defenseless position, yeah, that guy should still be kicked. But these ones that are like, you know, it's like, yeah, no, they should stay on the sideline and at least be able to cheer for their team. Yeah, that's an interesting point because you never know. They put in the third-string safety. He annihilates someone. Well, he gets to stay in the game. They're over there high five. Really? Get in there. He's like, all right. It's just like his only job is to like take out their best player. We got one other rule change. Well, not a rule change, but instant replay. They're trying to limit all replays to two minutes in length. Although they do note that exceptionally complicated plays or end of game replays can exceed that two minute limit. And I like the fact that they're trying to speed up the game because, my God, I hate these damn replays in the first quarter when they're judging the spot of whether a guy got a first down. Who gives a shit? You know, like that's not going to affect the game. So I like that. They're also allowing duplicate numbers. So players are allowed to have the same number on the same team as long as they're never on the field at the same time. And with that, they're allowing players to wear number zero. Shane's already shared with us he thinks Garantano needs to have number zero for Tennessee. Any number zeros uh, stand out to you around the SEC? Oh, man, SEC? No, I immediately just thought of Tennessee, and I was like, J.J. Peterson or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if he's still there. I'm assuming he is, but it's like, well, I don't know. Yeah, zero. I wouldn't want the number zero. It was 
maybe like a double zero. That'd be all right. Like deuces. But uh, like a zero, no, it's like you don't want to be a hero. You're going to be a zero, you know? I don't know. If Gus Malzahn, if you can give it to a coach, I'd say he's a zero. Well, Chad Morris, I'd definitely give it to him. <laughs> yeah. Man, he's going to come to your house. Or maybe um, someone from Vanderbilt's got a – well, no, hell, they won an SEC game. I can't I can't say that. It's got to be someone from Arkansas. Double zero, zero SEC wins the last couple of years. Yeah. All right, so now we talked long enough here. We got a really good interview lined up here from Austin Burlidge, who most people know him as Power T Tape. Once again, one of my favorite follows on the Twitters. Give him a follow at Power underscore T underscore Tape. If you're a Tennessee fan, you got to give this guy a follow. And he also breaks down, you know, a lot of other teams just with his coaching knowledge. Really gives uh, some in-depth stuff here in this interview, talking mostly Tennessee. But I think uh, SEC fans will appreciate this one. So let's hop to it. We're pleased now to be joined by one of my favorite follows on the Twitters, Power T Tape. You can find him at Power underscore capital T underscore Tape. And, of course, he goes by, he is Austin Burlidge. Thanks so much for joining us, Austin. I really do appreciate it. Mike, thanks for having me on, man. I, I think you know that I'm a big fan of yours. I've been following you for a while, and uh, you get a lot of Tennessee firepower on this podcast between Cousin Joe and Cousin Shane. So I'm, I'm excited to be welcomed into, uh, into that hierarchy. Well, that means a lot. So I appreciate you saying that. And, of course, you can follow uh, Austin also writes for Rocky Top Talk. Check out his work there. He does some outstanding stuff for the uh, Tennessee SB Nation affiliate. But, you know, the main reason I wanted to have you on here is just obviously we ain't got a whole lot to talk about. So <laughs> just want to take a deep dive a little bit based on your research. Anyone that's not following you already, again, I'll give you a shout out here at power underscore T underscore tape. Uh, some of the best stuff out there on Tennessee football in particular, but can you give uh, the listeners a little bit of background, I guess, before we start talking about Tennessee, just share some insight into, you know, your knowledge into the game and why your Twitter is such outstanding information is because you provide insights that, uh, you know, losers like me can't really provide. Yeah. Um, I, to tell you the truth, I don't really know how the account got as popular as it did. So um, I, a little bit about my background is I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's why I'm such a big uh, Tennessee fan. Grew up there until I was like 10 uh, and then moved away. So I moved up to Wisconsin where it's really cold here and sucks, but um, <laughs> that's beside the point. So um, I, I've been coaching now for the last, I don't know, I'm, I'm 27. So I've been coaching since I was in high school pretty much. Um, and the kids have really enjoyed uh, the film sessions that we've had and, and they know I'm a Tennessee fan and I was looking for an outlet to to talk on Twitter about Tennessee and not um, burden my you know uh, friends with Tennessee info because a lot of the people up here just don't don't care <laughs> um, and so I just created this site and I started talking about Tennessee and the, and the schematics and just what I saw uh, being a coach and um, that's really my passion I, I never I never meant to get into like sports media or anything like that. I, I want to coach, I want to coach for Tennessee. So if anybody's got any contacts, but um, like, I, that's why I started doing it. And, uh, and it kind of took off on me. So um, I, it's, it's a blessing. It's cool. I, I never thought I would get, uh, get paid to talk about Tennessee. So that's, that's been pretty fun. Well, I can relate to that because before I moved here to Nashville, where I live now, I was living out in uh, Los Angeles. And anytime I wanted to talk Tennessee football with people, 
uh, you know, the Pac-12 people, they didn't know Tennessee still had a football program. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know, man. It's, it's, I, I try to explain it. You know, it's just a different world down south. So, uh, yeah. All right. So getting into Tennessee talk, this is why I really wanted to have you on because you do such an outstanding job. It's not just your opinions or anything. It's a humorous account, but you really actually study the stuff. That's why I really appreciate it. You give some insights into the team. And one of the things that I've really noticed that you've hinted at here, you know, Tennessee obviously losing some dynamic playmakers at the receiver position, but you've been cautioning fans, you know, it's it's maybe not as uh, the depth chart's not as bare as some people make it out to be. So uh, can you give us some insight on one of the, I would say it's fair to say it's a question mark of a position going into 2020, but what are some of your initial thoughts on Tennessee's receiving core? Yeah, I think it is a question mark from the standpoint that Tennessee brings a lot of guys back. The the offensive line, they got a room full of quarterbacks, they got tons of running backs, but the receiver, you're losing Marcus Callaway and you're losing Juwan Jennings. And so that grabs the attention of, like, oh, that's where we're losing a lot of talent. And it's true. Um, but you know, I think Tennessee's in a good position to be able to fill that. I think, you know, doing my research here, so you got Mark Les Calloway, Juwan Jennings. We also lose Tyler Bird. You know, he, he didn't get as much playing time as uh, as maybe he would have wanted, and uh, I think Tennessee fans expected when he was coming out of high school. But um, he was a productive player, did have a touchdown this year, also um, contributed on special teams. So um, those are the three guys that we need to replace. And when you look at – so it's, it's Callaway, Jennings, Bird, and then if you throw in Dominic Wood Anderson, who had a touchdown, those four together, who I know he was a tight end, but he, he was such a receiving threat, I'm going to include him in the conversation. Those four guys together accounted for 16 of Tennessee's 19 passing touchdowns last year. So the only, only other guys that caught a touchdown pass last year were Josh Palmer, Eric Gray, who's actually a running back, and Cedric Tillman. And so... Tennessee has guys, they just don't have guys that have been scoring and they don't have guys that have been playing as much as, as Callaway and Jennings. But Josh Palmer is a guy that I'm, I'm extremely excited about. Um, yeah, like I said, only one touchdown last year, but if, if you saw it, it was just incredible. The Kentucky game, so he actually jumped over a guy, caught it, twisted, got one foot down. They ruled that out of bounds and had to, um, had to overturn it, and it's what gave Tennessee the go-ahead lead against uh, Kentucky. Uh, which they eventually won. So his ball skills are just incredible in the air. His ability to uh, ward off defenders, uh, protect the ball, get feet down. I mean, he's he's going to be the guy uh, that Tennessee goes to. So that's my biggest question mark. Isn't so much like, you know, how how do you replace the production? Because I think Tennessee has guys there that can replace the production, and I'll talk about them in a minute. But who replaces the leadership? You know, because cause Jennings was that guy for so long for Tennessee where if it was like a third and you have to have it or, or you know, um, the game's on the line, you're down by four or something like that. Like Jennings was the guy that's coming out into the huddle demanding the ball. Um, and I think that's what you lose. That's a bigger question mark. And I, I think Palmer is going to be the guy to step into that role and say, you know, I, I can be the guy. But beyond Palmer, we got... Brandon Johnson, who actually redshirted uh, last year, he took advantage of the new redshirt rule where if you don't play in four games, you can um, you can redshirt and save a season. So he comes back and he was actually, you know, he, he's been on the team for a while. And in 2017, he actually caught 37 balls. So he, he has playing time. It's not like uh, Tennessee 
just doesn't have anyone else there. Um, D'Angelo Gibbs is a transfer from Georgia that people are really high on. He came over, he's play, he played defense there, but he was like a five-star commit out of um, Grayson in Georgia. Big program down there. So super fast. I know Tennessee's going to play him at receiver. They've, they've been loving him at that spot. And we get Vela Jones Jr. transferring from USC, who's just a burner. So I know I'm throwing a lot out really fast here, but, um, you know, I, I think when you look at the wide receiver room, it's, it's maybe not as empty as uh, as it might appear on the surface when you just think about Callaway and Jennings being gone. Yeah, and kind of based on some of the guys Tennessee signed in just the recruiting cycle, like uh, Malachi Weidman and Jalen Wyatt, uh, it seems like Jeremy Pruitt is definitely putting an emphasis towards speed. And you mentioned some of the returning or transferred players that Tennessee is getting. Do you expect that the uh, offense is going to look any different, given the fact that it, it really does seem like they're emphasizing the speed at the receiver position moving forward? Yeah, so here's where I think it's going to look different. Because the, the exciting thing for Tennessee is we actually return our offensive coordinator for the first time and like I don't even I think it's 2015 right mm-hmm. uh, that we've had the same guy back to back so the offense will will look the same naturally because it's still going to be um, Cheney's offense but I think in the past we haven't had a guy that can um, like for lack of a better phrase take the top off the of defense you know we've got guys like Callaway and Jennings if we threw it up at 50-50 ball we were going to come down with it with no question so we we they had huge like yards per catch because you can just throw it near them uh, like on a fade on the sideline and they would come down with it. But Tennessee never, we really haven't had that guy that can stretch the field vertically. Um, and that's where guys like Jones um, and Gibbs are really going to step in. Hyatt too. I mean, I, Jalen Hyatt is a kid that he, he's a little undersized. I, I've seen his weights kind of all over the place uh, on the resources that you look at, but like, the the biggest I saw him is like 172 pounds or something like that, but he's running a like a 4.340, which is just absurd. So um, we're finally going to be able to have a guy in the slot that can split like a two high safety look and and pull defenders that way and actually you know break away vertically, which is going to be where the offense differs, especially when we can establish the run and hit on the play action pass, which I think Tennessee is going to be able to do. Uh, with the offensive line they have. So I'm going to say, I know this might be somewhat of a controversial take, but I think that we're finally starting to see Tennessee mold this offense in in a similar way as what Georgia had in 2018. I'm not saying that Tennessee is going to be 2018 Georgia, but you see a guy in the slot, like they had Miko Hardman, who could take the uh, defense, like uh, take the top off and kind of, really talented possession guys on the outside between Holloman and Ridley strong O-line that they could lean on. Um, and then at quarterback, they had a guy in Jake Fromm who um, I know he took a step back this past year, but um, got him to a national championship was, was, I guess you can call him a game manager, but gets them in and out of the right plays and, and controls the offense. Well, and I think Tennessee's starting to trend in that direction where you have a combination of speed and size and can uh, rely on the run game. Last thing I've got on uh, Jalen Hyatt. It's funny because I talked to South Carolina people, and then for those that don't know, this kid was on, I believe, the South Carolina team that won the state title, super productive player at the prep level. And then, you know, I talked to Gamecock people, and half of them say, well, this is just further evidence. Will Muschamp don't know what the hell he's doing. 
And then the other <laughs> half say, he's too small. He'll never do anything in the SEC. So anytime a player gets dismissed for his size, um, it just seems to me like those are the true football players, especially when you're incredibly productive and they're already saying, you know, you're too small to play. Uh, you know, that's what they said about Emmett Smith, and we all know what he went on to do, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, that's what I wrote down in my notes. Like, uh, you know, it, he, he's a little small, but does it matter if you can't catch him, right? And uh, and uh, he's from the same school that we, we poached Bryce Thompson from, too. So we got a, a nice little thing going out, out there in South Carolina. I like that pipeline. Now, I wanted to ask you about Eric Gray, because obviously towards the tail end of the season, really started to come on. Uh, you know, he was the spark where – I mean, he was the most dominant player, I thought, in that Vanderbilt game. He was MVP of the Gator Bowl. Do you think uh, with another you know, offseason to work with here and, and going into his second season in the system, do you think Eric Gray could elevate to a level to where the offense runs through him next year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think he... he's going to benefit from having the other guys that like, like Tim Jordan, who's still around... Um, but and so I don't. I think Tennessee's in a good spot. They don't have to put anything or everything on uh, Eric Gray, but it, 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 he certainly could. He's talented enough. I think the big knock on him uh, last year as a freshman, which is understandable because he's a true freshman, was um, Cheney's offense has has quite a bit of, of different protections and mastering all of the protections, knowing on um, which protection, which linebacker do you have, when do you release freely, when do you when do you check down, which side do you scan to, like all that. Um, it is pretty complicated, especially on a true freshman. So um, I think they used him uh, intelligently last year in good spots. They set him up for success. I think that's that's not obviously um, why we lost the Georgia State game, but that was one one part of that game that went really poorly was um, he got run over on a block uh, protecting Garantano when the lane, uh, game was on the line, which he, he obviously made, more than made up for it with his production the rest of the year. But that was the biggest question mark is can he – master the protections and, and be in the right spot and it, it can he perform the technique well and I think in the second year he's going to be more comfortable in the scheme he's not going to have to be the do-it-all guy the, the pressure won't be on him there so um, I expect him to to really step up this year um, productivity wise and and that's just that's saying a lot considering what he already did last year. Now, which position group on the defense next season do you think will be the strongest for Tennessee if you had to pick one right now? If I had to pick one right now, I would say I think we are in a – we feel probably the best about defensive back, but uh, I think the defensive line is going to be better than people expect because in the Goodens coming back from an ACL injury. And we, we get rotated a lot of guys in there last year and, and bring a lot of them back. So we got a lot of good experience, and we add a guy who – who produced well in 2018. So I think the unsung group is going to be defensive line, but it's hard to argue with where we're at at uh, defensive back when you've got Taylor and Thompson on the outside. Schamberger uh, really came on. I think he was the guy I heard, and this is just what I heard, that the staff would really get on uh, early, but he, he really came on at star, which is their nickel. Last year we lose Nigel Warrior, but we saw how he developed over the years, which has just been phenomenal. People are talking about him now as being a, a, a really sound draft pick, which I think if you would have told somebody that in 2017, they would have uh, not taken you very seriously. But uh, yeah, so we like the development that we've had and we're, we're bringing back uh, Flowers, uh, Jackson. 
there's a guy that nobody really knows about outside of Tennessee, Tyus Fields, who's, who's they're really high on. So there's so much depth there, and the development there has been so good. And Derek Ansley, the defensive coordinator, is the defensive backs guy. Pruitt is the defensive backs guy. Um, so that would be the group that I would look at. If you had to pick one player, most underrated player on Tennessee's roster, who maybe you know the casual SEC fan does not know his name, but by season's end, they're going to know his name. Uh, does anyone come to mind? Oh, man. That's a good one. Um, I, I really liked what Matthew Butler did last year. He's an interior defensive lineman. I thought Butler played really well on the interior defensive line, a guy that I didn't really expect at the start of last season, uh, and I thought he came on uh, pretty strong. So I, I would probably say – Butler. I, I also really like Sean Schamberger. I thought last year he played played very well at slot, but um, he's a starter, so I don't know how much I can really claim that as a you know an unknown guy. But uh, I thought he played really well at slot. Or at uh, nickel, sorry. It's interesting. Pro Football Focus said Schamberger is Tennessee's best player returning, which that turned my head. But uh, I, you know, of course they got their own way. They grade the players, but I, I right. thought that, I thought right. that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I he he was excellent last year, and and we probably don't talk about it enough. But he he and he filled a huge need when we lost Dalen Buchanan uh, with uh, some some spine issue um, last early last year in the spring, I think. So he he really stepped into a role that was a huge became a huge need and played really really well. All right, I got to ask you this: This is you know how the off season conversations start everywhere. That's why I like to put it at the end here: quarterbacks. Jared Garantano, we all know Brian Maurer, J.T. Shroud. We don't know a ton about Harrison Bailey, but what are your thoughts on the quarterbacks going into the offseason? And, you know, it's just unfortunate we didn't get to see more of them this spring. Yeah, you know, that's probably the one position where we have a lot of guys, but I don't know if you, if we, if we feel like we have the guy, if that makes sense. Um, and so uh, it's a bummer that we didn't have the spring to be able to prepare uh, one of them and get a little bit more reps. I think that was going to be the plan with Bailey um, was, was really going to, they're all going to get a lot of reps, but I think that was the biggest question was for Bailey. Can, can he, does he have a shot at being the guy or no? But yeah, so Garantano, everybody knows, you know, lost his starting job um, in and out of last year, but ultimately he was the best option that we had at quarterback. And uh, for two reasons, really one, he could operate the offense, uh, better than the other two guys and for two he didn't really turn the ball over too much so he only threw uh, eight interceptions on 250 attempts so you know take care of the ball try to manage the game um, and get the offense out of a bad play and into a good play and that's why he got on the field uh, you know Alabama notwithstanding on that one <laughs> but uh, you know uh, Maurer provided a spark he he, he willing to use his legs, which the other guys don't really bring to the table, um, despite Garantano being a highly ranked uh, dual threat guy. Uh, but he, he made too many bad decisions, uh, put the ball into too many bad positions last year through five picks. Um, and then he got hurt uh, a lot, you know, and as, a lot of that is because he didn't protect himself. And um, so some of it isn't his fault there, but some of it he's got to, you know, get out of the harm's way. And then Shroud, I mean, it, uh, Shroud apparently has, from what I've heard, some of the best arm talent, just pure raw arm talent on the team. And uh, when he uncorked his one touchdown to Callaway last year, he couldn't have walked it to Callaway any better uh, for a 55-yard touchdown. So he showed it off in the game, but it doesn't carry over consistently enough um, from practice. 
And I think there are questions on his just overall operation of the of the team uh, or of the offense. Can he get in and out of the huddle? Can he get to the line of scrimmage on time? Can he make the checks? And, and so he, he would have really benefited from more development time in the spring and didn't get it. I, you know, Bailey, I, I love, how do you not love the four, the four or five star kid, depending on where you look, but um, he's got great size. I think he moves better in the pocket than, than people give him credit for. Um, but he played with just an insane amount of talent at Marietta. And I know that the Atlanta area is just loaded with talent. And so he was playing against guys that were, were loaded too, but you know, he was throwing the ball to Eric Gilbert, who is going to LSU and just huge, you know, huge recruit. One wide receiver is going to Michigan state. His other wide receiver is going to Boston college. His tackle is going to Colorado and his running back is going to Troy. So like that's, that's some insane talent to be on your high school team. And I think, at times that he got away with not necessarily relying on that, but, um, but I think he just would squeeze the ball into windows that, you know, at the college level, I just don't know if that's going to be there. So in the RPO game, is he really reading a defender or is he just trusting that he's elite and that his receiver's elite and he's just going to rip it in there? Cause at the college level of safety can, you know, break on that quicker than a, a high school player can. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you've thrown a pick. You know, so Bailey is the guy that everybody hopes can come in and be the next Peyton Manning. I hope he can. I I, I would love that. I just don't know that. Um, and, and I have questions on the RPO game side of it. And then obviously, can he master the offense? Understand that because Cheney puts a lot on his quarterback at the line of scrimmage. So that's the overview of it. And, um, you know, it's, I, I think it was going to, it's going to come down to my opinion would be with who we have right now would be between Carantano and Bailey. And it's a real shame that Bailey isn't going to get a chance to, uh, you know, uh, have the spring development. Talking about Tennessee and quarterbacks. I can't not ask you about JT Daniels. <laughs> I mean, this is what we do as Tennessee people. You know, there's just an inkling of a nugget of information and we all go crazy Wondering why why hadn't this guy signed yet? Is he coming? When's he coming? How good is he? Why do we want this kid? I've seen you. You've already done some research on him, as have I. And for anybody that doesn't know, he played in what's called the Trinity League there in Southern California. And that's where, like, Alabama's new quarterback came from. That's where South Carolina's starting quarterback, Helensky, played from. I mean, this is... For high school football, you know, we all know about Texas and what they do, but Southern California is basically on par with that. It's a, it's the it's a premier high school football. This guy started for three years. I think he 40-something games, was All-American, number one player in the entire nation for 2019, and USC didn't have a quarterback in 2018, so he just said, the hell with it. I'm skipping my senior <laughs> year. I'm going to go play at USC, and he, he didn't even get there for spring football, and he still won the starting job. What have you seen from JT Daniels, who, keep in mind, this was a prospect that was rated on par with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields just in a different recruiting class. And then, like I said, he skipped to their class, so he rated just behind them. But what's your initial read on JT Daniels just as a talent? Yeah, the talent, I mean, speaks for itself. He, it, I went down a rabbit hole. I was just trying to prepare for this podcast, to be honest. And I, so I was just like looking at Valus Jones tape, and then I'm like, oh, my gosh. This guy, you know, and now all the – the news is breaking about him and he it's insane. You know, he steps on, if he, if he were to come onto Tennessee's campus, he would be the most talented quarterback we have on the roster. And yeah, I mean, you, you said it with his recruiting stuff. That's a question I, I've been asked a lot, you know, is, 
is JT Daniels the real deal? I mean, he reclassified in 2018 to, to come out a year early. Is, and the only guys that are ranked above him in the recruiting rankings are Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And then goes out and wins the quarterback competition to be like one of only two true freshmen to ever start at USC. Uh, and I know they went out and they went five and seven that year. And uh, he, he made some throws some that, that were true freshman mistakes, but he should have been in high school. Um, so, for, so from a pure talent standpoint, he's, he's incredible. I mean, he's got the, he's got all the traits you want. He's accurate. He goes through progression as well. He, he, he's got the arm strength. I think the question with him uh, would be, you know, he gets, he got caught in 2018 with some bad reads, you know, staring down guys a little bit stuff that you expect from an 18 year old guy that should have been a senior in high school. So I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for him. It's not something that you should do, but you know, it, it comes with the territory of starting a true freshman and he has a season of experience. Unfortunately got injured last year, but um, he's two years in, in, co- in a college program now. Um, so you would like to think that he has made improvements in that area. Yeah. And my main thing with him, I mean, Tennessee fans hoping Jeremy Pruitt is there long-term at Tennessee, but, I mean, these coaching contracts, particularly in the SEC, they're not guaranteed for very long, and he may never have a chance to add a a quarterback of this talent, particularly if he passes on him, because who knows what will happen if Harrison Bailey is not the real deal. So my whole thing is, if you got this opportunity, you got to jump at it, no matter what it does to the rest of your quarterback room, because... You're just not going to win at a high level at Tennessee, I don't think. And I'm talking winning the SEC without either an elite roster or an elite quarterback, and they're not close to having an elite roster yet at this point. Yeah, I would agree. I think, um, I, I, But I do think that if we were to get Daniels, I think that you know, maybe it's because I'm a crazy Vols fan, but I, I think that would put us in the conversation for contending for an SEC uh, title. And part of that is because of the way the schedule sets up for the, for us this year, I think is actually good. Um, and, and I know that there's some, some challenging games out there, but I, I'm, I, I really think that if we were to get him, Tennessee would at least be competitive uh, for the, for the SEC title. So I'm, I'm with you. I think you have to go out after him. I've heard, you know, well, well if you do, you know, that's going to scare off guys, but uh, I think, Transfers are kind of the name of the game now, uh, and, and we've seen it all over. So I, I don't think you can you can live in fear of like, well, if we bring in a really good guy, another good player might leave. But well, you're still left over with the guy that you feel really good about. Um, you know, obviously there's some questions with his ACL and his meniscus tears. Where is that at? I've heard it's it's good, but you never know. Um, but yeah, some guys might transfer, and I'm sure that's what the vault staff is is weighing. But you know, I read your article too on Saturday down south, and I'm I'm falling into your camp uh, in terms of I think if you have this opportunity and you're you're close and you're going into year three, which everybody talks about as being uh, the pivotal year um, to build momentum, and Tennessee certainly has the pieces in place offensively and I think defensively to um, to to really be competitive. I, I think you got to pull the trigger on them. All right, last question for you, Austin. Now, I'm not going to hold this to you because, you know, it's so far out and we don't even know if the yeah. season is going to play out the way it is on paper, you know, the schedule and everything. But if you had to pick Tennessee's record for next season, what uh, what's the record you're going with right now? Oh, man, I know it's so tough, right? And, and obviously subject to change, if uh, depending on if, if we get a guy, 
yeah, like Daniels, you know, I I think if we land Daniels, I think ten and two is not a question. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're going all the way. No, but I think you know, I wrote down. Uh, I know we're probably short on time, but like Tennessee's schedule, I said it, it sets up pretty nice. I mean, you get Oklahoma early. Um, they're they're replacing uh, Hertz with Rattler, who I know is a crazy high high recruit, but at the same time. Uh, it's not like Mayfield or Hertz or, or Murray who had all this experience or a good amount of experience before starting for them. So you get Oklahoma early uh, with a kid that hasn't seen uh, a defense like Tennessee's. You get Florida at home, um, and, uh, you know, uh, that's about as much as I can say about Florida. They're, I think they're pretty good, but we get them at home at least. Um, Alabama we get after a bye week, and, and Alabama plays eight straight to open the season, of which Tennessee's the eighth eighth team um our SC, other sec west game is crossover is arkansas and i don't think you know i don't think i think tennessee's better than them mm-hmm. and then georgia we actually get late in the season for the first time in forever so for the past you know since 2014 we've been playing them right basically right after right before in that area of uh, of florida and now we get them at the end of the year they have three straight road games before us um they draw Auburn and Alabama from the West this year, and they have to replace their offensive coordinator and, and quarterback. So, like, if you're Tennessee, you feel good about that schedule. And then, so I think you're looking – like, you feel like you can beat everybody on your schedule except for Oklahoma, Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. And then if you add a guy like Daniels Calabria, you know, and you can you can spring an upset here or there, uh, you're, I think 10-2. and two. But, um, you know, who knows? All right, well, he's Austin Burledge of Power T Tape. you got to give this guy a follow. Once again, at Power underscore T underscore Tape. Austin, I really appreciate you hopping on here and providing some insight on Tennessee, some really outstanding stuff from you. Mike, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, man. All right, Joe, so this had to be a wet dream for you, Austin, talking about Tennessee football for half an hour here. What was your uh, main takeaway from his comments? I just didn't know why it's so short, you know. I think we could do this for at least a few minutes. <laughs> it's not like talking Gator football. That took about 12 minutes. Yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, hopefully we do this for all the teams, and I definitely think that this was really fun. And he's preaching a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing, too. I don't see our wider I, – I mean, you're not going to be able to replace Jennings. Mm-hmm. Cal was good, too. But I don't think that we're super thin at wide receiver. He didn't really mention anything about Keaton. I think he had super good flashes last year too. Like there's a couple of plays there toward the end of the season where I was like, Oh wow, who's this kid? You know, and you like, you look, he was a four-star recruit coming in. He was pretty awesome. That, and I really loved the uh, Brandon Johnson play that Pruitt did, you know, I mean, it takes a lot of character for someone to, who's most likely going to see some playing time, you know? Yeah. Without and, a doubt. And for him to be like, you know what, I'm going to do what's best for the team because I know we're going to be thin next year. I'm going to take red shirt and then come back, and I was like, whoa. I was like, that's a long play. I was like, that works. And then Gibbs, high on him too. I noticed that you didn't really mention who you thought the sleeper player was for Tennessee. If you had like to pick a breakout player that no one's super familiar with, who would you pick? Hmm. If I had to pick out one, put me on the spot here. Tennessee fans will definitely know this name, but I think he is going to be huge next year for Tennessee's defense. And that's uh, Kovaris Crouch, where I don't think he made you know as big of an impact as he was hoping in his freshman year, kind of moving at different positions at the linebacking crew. They're so thin. Now you got Henry T being the leader of that unit. I think you slide in Crouch next to Henry T. Tennessee may have 
two of the better inside linebackers, maybe the best inside linebacker duo in the – well, no, Georgia's going to have a damn good one. Second best in the SEC potentially at Tennessee if Crouch lives up to the hype and uh, Henry T continues to progress. So Crouch, that's probably an obvious name to Tennessee fans, but I don't know if the casual SEC fan really knows who Crouch is at this point in time. But I think next year they're definitely going to know that name. Right. They just probably see him on the sidelines and be like, geez, who's that guy with guns? <laughs> <laughs> like when I went to the Indiana game, it was like I was like – probably 15 feet away from where the linebackers sat. And I'm like, man, is he just like doing curls like all the time? <laughs> but no, that was one of my picks. I think if it's ever going to happen, JJ is going to show up. You know, I think if it's going to happen, it's going to be next year. I don't know why he's been underperforming so well, but hey, it just happens sometimes. And my number one pick is definitely JT Daniels. Uh, <laughs> I think he's going to be a star, but uh, no, that's that's my picks, and I could definitely see it if, like he was preaching on, if we uh, get JT Daniels, I could see us competing for an SEC uh, title also because I think our secondary is amazing. We do have a question mark on defense, defensive line, but like he said, I believe our defensive line is going to be improved better than people anticipate. Mm-hmm. Linebacker. Or it depends on how Crouch steps up. But the offensive side of the house, I think, is stacked, except for quarterback. Right. And, it, I mean, like, I, like I've been preaching, man, if you can get someone with an elite arm, I mean, that could be the difference between, you know, just trying to hope that you upset some of these teams and, hell, maybe being an SEC contender. Right. I just think we had someone that didn't get flustered, then we would have had way better numbers. Because, you know, I mean, like you said, we're missing – 16 of 19 of our passing touchdowns are leaving but it's like i think if we had a better quarterback it'd be like 42 touchdown passes you know <laughs> like right. way higher numbers so hopefully if we get someone in there it's a little bit more productive uh we won't see the decline that everybody's anticipating which i mean if you got a better passing game that opens up the running game it just works unless you're kentucky then you can just run and win eight games <laughs> So it blows my mind about Kentucky. Anybody who's bagging on Kentucky, I'm like, everybody always says you can't be one dimensional. And like, they were, and they won eight games. You know, it's like, well, maybe sometimes, kid. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's all I got around the league. Not a ton going on. But hey, next week, we've got a really outstanding interview lined up with a, a sports book director out in Las Vegas. Hopefully, that comes through as promised. And he's going to give us a little intel on. You know what it's like running a sports book in Las Vegas, making the lines in real time and everything that goes with that. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. And of course, I'm sure there'll be plenty of stuff to talk about with the NFL draft. Of course, this is an SEC podcast, so no need to really go huge deep dive preview on that because... You know, there's other places to do that, but maybe if something happens, maybe like a Laramie Tunzel bong situation, hell, I may hop on here with an emergency pod, but that's all I've got, though, on this one. You got anything before we hop off here, Cousin Joe? Not at all, man. It was fun. Appreciate the chat. It was a good interview. Wash your hands. Absolutely. Thanks again for to Austin Burlidge, Power Tea Tape, for hopping on. We really do appreciate it, and we'll catch you all the next one.
uh, only other question I've got for you. I just want to make sure I got this right. Um, yeah. How do I say your last name here? Burledge? <laughs> yeah, you you actually nailed it, man. Most people uh, never get that right. The A throws them off, but yeah, you got it. Okay, well, I'm sure I'll I'll fuck it up while we're doing it for real, but <laughs> glad, glad no, I got it that fine. time. You're fine, man. I appreciate it. That's funny.